Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Hey guys, my name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here at Revo. You picked a good Sunday to be here because we are kicking off a new series called Unseen as we look at what real, true, active, living faith looks like in, in our lives. Now, originally you may think faith, you may automatically like link that with a religious jargon, but faith is not a spiritual word. It's not a religious word. I mean, you don't have to even believe in God to have faith. Everyone in this room, regardless of where your walk with Jesus is, or whether this is the first time you've been to church ever, or the first time since last Sunday, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. All of us have faith, and I'll prove it to you, because when you were walking in, I was watching you. Not in a stalker way, but in just an interesting way. Um, when you came in, every Everyone sat down. No one checked their seat before they walked in. You had faith that that seat was going to hold you. Nobody turned it upside down to make sure all the screws were there. Nobody kind of put a little bit of weight on it to test it. You don't have to be a godly person to have faith. Faith is something that we, all of us, have. Um, when, when you got in your car this morning, unless you drive a car similar to mine, when you put the key in there and you cranked it, you knew it was going to crank up. Like, you, th- that's faith. You knew. You didn't walk out of your car and be like, well, I don't know what's going to happen when I turn this key. Unless it's an old car, right? It's faith. Everyone has it. If you go to the grocery store, unless you go to the grocery store every day, when you go to the grocery store and you bought your meals for what you were going to eat on Tuesday, guess what? You had faith that you were going to live past today. You bought the food that you were going to eat in two days. That takes faith. Faith is something we exercise all the time. Like, I'm so glad that I had faith to prepare this message uh, before I stood up here, right? Because <laughs> if I'd have just thought last night, well, I don't even know if I'm going to be alive tomorrow, so I might as well not waste the time preparing, right? I had faith that I would be here and that you guys would show up. That's faith. I mean, all, all of us have faith. It's not a spiritual thing. It's not just a godly thing. It's not a churchy, religious thing. But let me tell you why faith is so important. Let me tell you what can happen as a result of faith. Let me tell you this, and then you tell me whether or not having strong personal faith is a big deal or not. Just when I look at Scripture, I see that faith is a powerful thing. Faith is an, it's just an extraordinary thing. In, in this book alone, faith healed the sick. Faith raised a man from the dead. Dead. Like used to be dead and now he's not anymore. He's alive. Faith had the power to do that. Faith had the power to give a blind man sight. Faith allowed a deaf person to hear. Faith allowed people that were paralyzed for their entire lives to in an instant stand up, run around, walk around, jump around, do a dance immediately. And scripture says faith did that. Faith is also a doorway to incredible blessing. I mean, you, you can just comb this book and figure out there were there are times when so many people showed faith in God, and faith in God opened up an opportunity. It opened up the doors of a blessing from God. We show faith, God blesses us. We show faith, something incredible happens in our life. All of this as a result of faith that we see and that we have in our lives. Someone has faith, and their life gets changed. One person shows their faith and lives it out, and it alters the course of human history. Is faith important? (laughs) Are you interested yet? 
interested in having that kind of faith. So what is it? Like, what is faith? We could probably all give out a bunch of different definitions, but lucky for us, in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, faith is defined just in, in one sentence, just, just two phrases that we're going to look at. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, if you have your app, you can scroll there. If you've got your Bible, you need to stick your worship guide in it uh, right there at Hebrews 11, because for the next few weeks, we're going to be in Hebrews 11 looking at these incredible stories of faith and what it means to hope in things that are unseen. So here's how uh, Scripture defines faith uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Here we go. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of of things not seen. There's, there's two things that you need to know about faith this morning. Just two things. If you're taking notes, jot these things down. I'm telling you, this is the foundation that we're going to build on. This is going to change your life. I'm confident on that. There's too many examples of how this faith changed people's lives for us not to pay attention and not to get really serious about this. Here's, here's the two things that faith rests on. The first is this, an assurance of things hoped for. Anybody have hope today? Raise your hand if you got hope. Audience participation? All right. Here's the deal. Here's what hope is. Hope exists. Now, this is the foundation of faith. Like, if you, if you don't get this, you'll miss it. Hope exists because there is a certain level of discontent and unsatisfaction that exists in your life right now. If it were not for unsatisfied desires, if it was not for discontentment, you would have no hope. Let me, let me prove it to you. If, if you're hoping to be married one day, it is because you are currently dissatisfied with your single status. If you hope to have a good job one day, it's because you are dissatisfied and discontent with the job that you have right now. If you hope that you're going to have more money one day, it's because right now you're unsatisfied with the amount of money that you have right now. If you hope that you're going to get a promotion or, or something good is going to happen in your life, Ultimately, it's because you are unsatisfied and, and discontent with the way that your life is right now. See, hope is based on a certain level of discontent. Like it's, it's, if your life was fully content and fully satisfied, you wouldn't have to hope for anything. You've got it all. But there reaches a point in our lives where a little bit of discontent sets in where unsatisfaction creeps into our lives, where we're just dissatisfied with something that's going on. And that's, that may be hard for you to believe as Americans, because despite, despite all the money that we have, despite all of the prosperity that we have, despite all of the property, the resources, the blessings that God has given us, despite all of those things, there's something that still eats and gnaws at our inside that says there has to be something more. Life has to be bigger than this. There, there has to be a bigger purpose than just going to work and getting a paycheck and paying your bills and starting over. There has to be more meaning to why we're here than just sleeping, getting up, eating, hanging out with family, and sleeping again. There's got to be something more. And see, that, that begins to gnaw on us. That begins to, 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 to affect us. And ultimately, that leads to a level of discontent and a level of unsatisfaction. And let, let me tell you something. Like This may be weird for a pastor to say, but your discontent is actually a very positive, powerful thing. 
In fact, discontent could be one of the greatest feelings that you have right now. That's weird because when you're in it, it's really discouraging. And when you're unsatisfied, you're, you're searching, you're yearning, you're, you're reaching for something else. You're wrestling with these big questions about what is the meaning of this? What is the purpose of why I'm here? What, what am I doing with my life? But here's, here's what I know. Uh, there's, there's something more than just the status quo. And what you may not realize is the feeling of unsatisfaction and discontent in your heart is actually placed there by God, there to remind you there's something more than what we're seeing here. Life is bigger than this. Life has so much more of a purpose. I'm unsatisfied at work. Good. Satisfaction doesn't come from work. It comes from someplace else. I'm unsatisfied with money. I'm discontent with where I am in my life right now. Good. Your satisfaction and contentment doesn't come for those things, come from those things. So God puts that in your heart to remind us something bigger is out there. Something better is out there. Something more in this life is here. And here's the deal. God says to us, when are you going to stop settling for what you're searching for now and start looking for satisfaction in me? Like I put that there for a reason. I made you unsatisfied. I made you discontent with the things that the world offers because there's something more. And for many people, it's unseen. One of the most powerful things that can happen if you're in your life. One of the most powerful emotions, one of the most powerful feelings that you can ever experience is when you hit a wall of discontentment. And when you begin to hope for more things, when you begin to hope for something better, when you begin to hope that there's got to be more to life than this, I hope that there's more significance that is built into this journey that I'm on right now than simply what I have right in front of me. And, the, and the, the, the big thing is conviction of things, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. A lot of the things that we're searching for and yearning for are things unseen. That's why it's hope and faith and not reality, right? We don't know where it's going to come from. We don't know where it is. We don't know how close we are to it. And thus, faith comes into the picture. So the foundation of you having faith, life-changing, mountain-moving, incredible faith in Jesus Christ starts with discontent. It starts with you acknowledging what I'm doing right now and what I have and what I'm, what I'm journeying with in life. It's providing no meaning. It's providing no significance. There has to be more to life than this. It's one of the most powerful things that you can do. One of the most beneficial things that can happen in your life is for a switch to flip and for you no longer to be satisfied with who you are right now and understand that there's something more. There's something bigger. I mean, you you may not even realize this. Our staff and leadership team has been praying about this series for almost two months now. You may not realize this, but some people in here right now don't know Jesus. And over the next few weeks, God is going to make crystal clear to you that the things you're chasing, the things you're pursuing, the meaning and significance and purpose that you are searching for in life is not going to be found in what you're chasing right now. And God is birthing this holy discontent in your life. And over the next few weeks, you're going to begin to put the pieces together of how faith can change your life, how faith in God can use you to radically change the world. It starts with discontentment. A feeling of discontentment means your life is fertile ground for God to do something incredible. 
Skip down to verse 6, we see the second part uh, of faith that he lays out here. This is one of the most popular verses in all of Scripture. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So here's the foundation. Faith begins with discontentment and unsatisfaction in the status quo of life. Faith tells us there's something more, there's something hidden, there's got to be something bigger and better than what we're doing and what we're experiencing right now. And here's what happens. When you get discontent, this is what you'll realize. You'll begin to search for something else. When you realize that you're at a dead end, that your job, that your money, that your marriage, that your relationships, that your finances, that any part of your life cannot provide you with the satisfaction and the meaning and the purpose that you thought it would, here's what you begin to do. You start searching for what can bring true meaning. It's almost like God designed this stuff this way. You begin to search, well, if it's not here, then where is it? How long am I going to walk around not knowing a purpose, not having significance, not knowing what the next step is? How long am I going to spend chasing things that don't matter? How long is that going to be my story of faith? And I I love how discontentment in verse 6 leads to this. He says, drawing near to God. When you become unsatisfied, all of a sudden you realize everything I can do won't give me anything. And in Scripture, the way faith plays out is, all right, God, I'll draw near to you for my meaning. I'll draw near to you for my purpose. I'll draw near to you for my significance. Because obviously it's in nothing that I have right now. But here's the warning. here's, Here's the stern warning that I have for you this morning. Maybe you're at the point right now where you're feeling that holy discontent where you're like, yeah, I'm not satisfied with my job, I'm not satisfied with my marriage, with my relationships, with my current financial situation, I'm not satisfied with my spiritual life, I'm not satisfied with my home or with my car or anything. Here's the warning. When God brings you to that point, you've got a choice to make. You're going to draw near to something. And my warning is, please don't allow God to bring you to a point of discontent and you decide to try to draw near to something else instead of drawing near to God. Faith is birthed out of discontentment, but it's also realizing that Jesus is the only thing that can give you what you're really searching for. Our stories and and stories of people that you know are full of years of restlessness, chasing after things that we think will bring us meaning. We think will bring us purpose. We think we'll get satisfaction out of it. And that pursuit becomes a restless pursuit of money, of power, of fame, of your professional career. Some people reach a moment of unsatisfaction and discontent and they turn to drugs. They turn to alcohol. They turn to relationships. I'll divorce this one and get a new one so maybe that's where my satisfaction is. Uh, I'll drop this and start doing this. I'll try to fill the void with something else. And like it kills me to see people that God has brought them to a time of discontent and unsatisfaction with life. And instead of pursuing God, they say, well, let me just just try to pursue something. Let's try money again. Well, let me quit this job and go to another job. Let me try that. Maybe my career. Let's quit this marriage and start a new marriage. Or, Or let's quit this single life and be married. Maybe that will give me satisfaction. Maybe that will bring me content. And here's what happens. 
You choose that route, and months, years, decades later, you're still searching, still yearning, still pursuing. Maybe that's your story today. Maybe you walked in the door and you realized for years you've been unsatisfied, but have been channeling that dissatisfaction towards everything else except God. And can I tell you something? No wonder you're still searching. You're searching for something that can only be given by Jesus. So no matter what areas of life you try to pursue, no matter what you try to chase after, you're never going to be satisfied. You'll never find purpose and meaning in it. Scripture says draw near to God. Discontentment is there in your life to help you draw near to God. And thus, faith is birth. So I'm, I'm here this morning. I'm not only praying over you that your life would smack into a brick wall of discontentment and unsatisfaction, but that at that very moment you would choose to follow Jesus instead of chasing after vain excuses, instead of chasing after things that will never give you what you're looking for. Discontentment leads to hope in things unseen. Discontentment leads us to a point where it says, there's got to be more to life than this. And so we begin to draw near to something. My hope is that you'll realize this morning that after years of running and chasing and yearning and desiring and being unsatisfied, that the person that you're really looking for is Jesus. Discontentment is the basis. And then we begin to yearn for something. Who will it be? What will you draw near to? What will you surround yourself with in this pursuit of faith? I want to read you an example. This is one of the most powerful things that faith can provide for. And you can have this today. I'm going to read you, read you one verse. Hebrews 11, chapter 5. A story of a man, one sentence, of a man and how this relates to us and how your life can be changed this morning. In verse 5 it says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. This man by the name of Enoch, his story is actually found in Genesis chapter 5. Let me just read you. It's like three verses in Genesis that this man is known for, that this man is listed in. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 21, it says this, When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and his other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. He lived to be an old dude. Enoch walked with God, and listen to this, and he was not, for God took him. So two times in Scripture we see this story. A man, 65 years old, his man name was Enoch, and he decided to become a follower of God. And it says for the next 300 years, two times in three verses, it says this, he walked with God. You guys know repetition in Scripture is important. Two times in three verses back to back, it was a big deal that Enoch walked with God. He was close to God. He had intimacy with God. He spoke to God. He would walk with God. And these were the words that describe this man's faith. I mean, this was a, a close relationship. When, when you walk beside somebody, like when you talk to them, Enoch would talk to God every day. But we all know that God is unseen, right? We, we, you can't see God. And so you can imagine how awkward this would have been because when you're five years old and you talk to your imaginary friend, it's all good. 
But when you're 65 and you're walking around talking to somebody and walking with somebody that no one else can see, that's a good way to land yourself in a home, okay? So he was taking a risk here walking around talking to Enoch and t- Enoch talking to God, but it, it illustrates this idea. And I love even, even Genesis 5.24 in the New Living Translation says this. Here's how the end of his life happened. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. Did not die. He disappeared. Like, didn't have a funeral. They don't know where his body is. They didn't mourn his death. Dude just disappeared. Like, just up, only two dudes in Scripture did that. He's one of them. That's, yeah, that's rare. You know anybody that's just disappeared? Like, no search party, no nothing. Just, just disappeared. Never died. I love the illustration that, that I heard of a, a kid in, in the kids' ministry. And they say, well, um, what did you, mom asked him, what did you learn today? And he said, oh, we learned a story about Enoch. He said, okay, well, tell me about Enoch. He said, here's the story about Enoch. Enoch was a man that walked with God. And one day, he had walked so long with God that God looked at him and said, we're closer to my house than we are to your house. Why don't you just come with me? I love that, man. I love that idea. That this man walked so faithfully with God that God just spared him of death. Like, didn't die, just disappeared with him. Through faith, Enoch walked with God, and he never died. Scripture says he he never experienced death. Did you know that for you this morning, you can experience faith and have faith that will save you from death? Here's what Jesus said in John 11, 25, and 26. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Here's the promise that I want to give you this morning. Through faith, death does not have to be your final destination. Death does not have to be the door that is closed on your life. Through faith in Jesus, death can simply be a transition to eternity with God. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, because of his sacrifice, he said, if you would believe in me, even though you die, you will live. Enoch walked with God, and because of the faith that he had with him, he did not die. And Revo, you and I, with faith in Jesus, death will not be the final step. We don't have to be scared of death. Death does not become the enemy. Scripture says death has now lost its sting. It has lost its ability to keep capture the the thoughts and the hearts of people that fear it so bad. Enoch says through that kind of faith, he was taken and did not experience death. Two quick things I want to say about walking with God. Like, like if I want to walk with God, right? I don't know anybody that said, don't want to walk with God. Here's two things that you need to do and understand in order to do that. Walking with God means that you and God are going in the same direction. You ever tried to walk with somebody in two different directions? Like you're going to look around and realize you're walking by yourself, right? You're not walking with them anymore. And here's what happens in life. If you want to walk with God, you need to do an intake of your life. My attitude, my actions, how I treat people, my words, my thoughts, my life, is it coinciding with the journey that God has called me to? Like am I walking in obedience with God? Because if I'm not, you're not walking with God, you're walking by yourself. Walking with God means you're walking in the same direction. The second thing you've got to know about walking is this. Walking is more than one step. Walking is multiple steps. And so many people, when they want to share their Jesus story or, when, or they say, this is my relationship with God, they tell me two steps. I gave my life to Jesus and I got baptized. 
Well, that means you took two steps towards God. You're not walking with God. Because if God is walking and you take two steps and stop, guess what? It won't be long before you're not walking with God anymore. He's already passed. He's already moved on. So my, my challenge to you this, if you want to walk with God, it's going to involve taking steps every day. It's going to take taking steps of faith, taking steps out with him. Not just one, not just two, not just take a step this year and then in six months take another step and then in six months take two more steps. And that's not walking with God. Enoch's faith caused him to walk with God. So here's, here's the end. What happens when walking with God is difficult? What happens when taking the next step means stepping into the darkness, means stepping into a place of uncertainty, means taking a step into a place of risk? What happens when God calls you to walk with him and you can't even see what's in front of you? It takes true faith and real faith to do that. I'll tell you exactly what happens when, when that happens. When, when we're faced with darkness, the majority of us stop walking. When we're faith, faced with risk, we don't take another step. When we're faced with uncertainty, too many times we will just stand right here and we'll say, all right, when I can see, I'll start walking, or when I know everything's going to be okay, then I'll start walking, or when the light turns on and the darkness fades away, then I will start walking, then I will start moving in the right direction. But that's not faith. Let me, let me illustrate it for you. I'm a huge horror movie fan. Like, that's just, like, I like it. I don't even know why, because at the end, I'm scared to death. Like, I'm watching it upstairs, and Elizabeth's like, can you get downstairs and get me some water? I'm like, it's dark down there, girl. Go by yourself. I'm not even going down there, man. But here's the deal. All horror stories are the same. They're unrealistic because this is what happens. There's a woman, usually a woman, inside the house, locked. The doors are locked. She's completely safe. She's in the house by herself. All of a sudden, she hears something outside. Now, the average person would say, I'm not going out there. There's no way I'm walking out there. I don't even care what that is. Like, I don't even care if I see what it is. I'm not going out there. It's safe in here. It's dry in here. It's warm in here. I'm in here. I'm in here by myself. I'm not walking outside. But here's how a horror movie plays out. The little girl says, I think I'll go see what that was. And I don't know if you watch movies the same way I do, but I yell at my TV when I'm, it's like preaching practice. I yell at my TV. And when this girl, she, she hears this, she's like, what is that? I'm going to go see. And I stand up on the couch. I'm like, no. No, you are not going to go see. And she puts her hand, she unlocks the door, and I'm like, no, what is wrong with you, girl? Do not go out there. You are in a safe house. The door is locked. Do not go into the darkness. Do not walk. She's walking into the woods. Do not walk into the woods. Do not go to that old barn that is on the back of the property that no one can hear you scream. There's a man in a mask with a chainsaw out there, and this is the reason why you're not going to be in the sequel, because you won't stay in the house. Stay in the house. Just wait for the sun to come up. Please don't go out there. You're going to get hurt. What happens? She gets killed. We all know the story. In our life, here's what happens. We look out the window, and we're like, it's dark out there. It's risky. God, you're... You're calling me to walk, but I can't see. I'm not going in the woods. I don't know who's in that barn. I want to be in the sequel. I'm going to live until tomorrow. Like, no, I'm not going to follow you. I'm not going to do any of that. And too many times when God calls us to take a step in faith, because we can't see, because it's unseen, because it's dark, because it's risky, because we don't know how it's all going to end up, we'll look at God and say, ah, I'm just going to stay here. I think I'll just stop right here. All because the 
the path is dark. But it's, it's interesting, Scripture even gives us a, an explanation of this and an answer for how to illuminate the dark path in Psalms 119, 105. Here's what the Bible says. Uh, David said, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light unto my path. You don't know where you're going? Pull out the flashlight. You don't know what to do? Turn the light on. Look in the word. Like the Bible shows us, you want to know how to live your life? You want to know how to take a step of faith? You want to know what it means to be a follower of Jesus? You want to know what an incredible mountain-moving life of faith looks like? Just, just turn the light on. Just open up the book. This is the, this is the light that God has given us to illuminate the path that he's put us on. Yeah, it's dark. Yeah, I don't know what the next step is. Yeah, I can't see down the road, but here's your light. Here's what I've left you. Here's what I want you to use to build your faith, to take that next step in me. See, when we spend time in Scripture, it's God's way of saying this. Hey, I'll show you where to go. I'll show you the path. Just follow me. Stay stay right behind the light. I know it's dark. I know it's scary. I know you may not know what's going on, but I'll illuminate the way for you. Faith. Faith for the things that are unseen. This morning, I hope that you are experiencing restlessness in your life. I I hope that you're to a point right now where you're like, there has to be more than this. There has to be more than the daily grind that I find myself in right now. There has to be more than a job, than a house, than food, than money, and free time. There has to be a bigger reason why I'm here, a bigger purpose a bigger calling for your life. And I I hope that that you realize that you're missing something. I hope that you know that there's something more out there for you, that you're yearning for something more in life. And here's my hope. I hope that that dissatisfaction will result in you drawing near to God, that faith, an incredibly powerful life of faith, would be born inside of you because you became dissatisfied with life and started to draw near to God. And for some of you this morning, that drawing near to God is coming to God for the very first time. And understanding that through faith today, you don't have to experience death. That even though you die, you still live. Eternal life with Jesus. I pray that dissatisfaction breeds drawing near to God and that your story of faith would be one that could move mountains and impact others around you.